It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Kessman, LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman. Joining me as always, Mr. Kevin Baxter of the LA Times. Coming to you on November 13th, Monday, November 13th. Just 70 days left in the offseason for the LA Galaxy. Who's keeping track? I'm keeping track. That's who's keeping track, the LA Galaxy. Uh, well on their way to the 2018 preseason as we, uh, as we start to at least hopefully get back to MLS playoffs get this season, this 2017 season wrapped up. We got a bunch to talk about, actually some uh, interesting LA Galaxy news and some discussion items that we can certainly have, uh, but before we get to any of that, we have to talk to our intrepid reporter, Mr. Kevin Baxter, who was out with the loud cars this week. Remember, there's no there's no soccer for Kevin to cover right now, so what we're getting is a hodgepodge of different sports that the LA Times sees fit to throw Kevin Baxter at, and Kevin, uh, you were covering drag racing. I have to ask how your, how your hearing is, first of all. What? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so how was how was your time at the drag strip there? You know what? It was it was a lot of fun. Um, it, you know, as you know, if and anyone that's read my stuff knows, I am all about diversity. And uh, you would think drag racing would not be a very diverse sport. Um, actually, yesterday we saw uh, Brittany Force, the the daughter of John Force, who's a sixteen. Anyone know anything about uh, drag racing? He's a sixteen time funny car champion. Anyway, his daughter became the second woman in history uh, to win the top field title. That's uh, drag racing's top uh, division. Uh, and you look at, you know, you look at NASCAR, they have never had a woman win in any of their top four divisions. Um, and, uh, drag racing now had a woman win their their driver title four times. It's the second woman that's done it. Cha-Cha Muldowney did it three times. But And she took the title away from a guy named Avron Brown, uh, Antron Brown, who is African-American. He was a two-time winner. So you have a situation where you would think drag racing would be a pretty kind of, I don't know, I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but a kind of a redneck sport. And you get out there and it's like, uh, it's the United Colors of Benetton. I mean, it was uh, that was a real eye-opening thing. And of course, the cars go really, really fast. I got a chance to go out and stand right at the start line, right at the tree that you know the where the the lights come down and the cars start uh, between uh, before three of the uh, drag race heats with the top fuel cars, and that was pretty pretty intense to see them leave the finish line and hit 330 miles an hour in less than a thousand feet. That was pretty insane. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a good time. It sounds like you had fun then, Kevin. Well, you know, I, I really, my wife gives me a hard time about this because they'll put me on drag racing or whatever and I'll complain about it. And then when I get out there, it's like, I am so all about drag racing right now. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, but but you're right. You know, without um, uh, the Galaxy and the national team to cover. And since the Galaxy season ended, I did the World Series. I did Clippers basketball, uh, wrote a column about an Afghan refugee and now drag racing. So um, it's actually kind of fun because you don't get uh, – I've covered beats before where you just do that one sport and you're around those one group of people and it it really kind of gets to be very tedious. This kind of keeps me fresh, whatever I can, that means. I can, yeah, I can understand that. Well, let's get to a little bit of LA Galaxy soccer here. Uh, just a, a little housekeeping note. LA Galaxy players for the 2017 season have been released. That means there are no more players training under directions from the LA Galaxy, the, the players themselves have been released from the club. Uh, that sort of officially ends the 2017 season for the LA Galaxy. So that's done. It's over with. That That probably means that it'll be a little harder to get uh, some of the guys on the podcast for me, Kevin, because I'm sure they're out on their va- 
vacations and trying to take away uh, the time that they didn't have during the season. So uh, they're out doing that stuff right now. But uh, it, it is another step towards, you know, the 2018 season as we continue down here and with MLS playoffs again, uh, you know, sort of picking up steam again after the, the national break or the national, the international break. Um, it, it's just, like I said, another step in, in sort of the progression of the offseason. So just to give you a heads up, if you were wondering about training or anything else like that, if you're going to try to see players that is over with um, for the most part, those guys may be their offseason work in terms of what they want to do on their own, but they are no longer mandated. And I don't believe they can be under club control right now. Uh, the CBA sort of releases them and, and keeps them away. So that's sort of our, uh, our, I think, our only LA Galaxy news. Kevin, I think we still expect to hear that there are more players being released from the LA Galaxy or options not picked up. Uh, some teams have come so far as to already uh, publish some of those lists. Um, and we have not seen anything from the LA Galaxy besides those five players, Kevin, that you were able to confirm. Um, and I've heard at least three, possibly five more, and it could be even more than that uh, still released in the 2017 season. Yeah, I know Orlando and a couple of other teams have already released the list of all the players that will not be, or that did not have their contract options picked up. So theoretically, that will not be back next season. Uh, teams can resign guys. I mean, you, you kind of have to be careful with the language, but. You know, some of those teams have come forward and released that information already, and, and I am shocked, shocked and appalled that the LA Galaxy, transparent LA Galaxy, has has not done that yet. Um, I heard as many as 15 players could be on that list. We know of, of the five we talked about from last week, uh, but I've heard as many as 15, and there could be some very surprising names on there. I expect at least two of the three, if not all three, of the goalkeepers to be on there. Uh, I've heard Ari Lasseter as a possibility. Uh, I heard one rumor that perhaps Bradley Diallo could be on there, and that would be a big surprise because he's a guy that, that I thought played fairly well. Um, it's a position that, of need for the Galaxy right now, uh, and he's relatively young and inexpensive. And I say a position of need right now. We don't know what they're working on uh, you know, as, as uh, the, the Schmidt father-son team are out there uh, scouting and trying to sign players. But until those players are signed, as we're finding out now with uh, LAFC trying to sign a player from Uruguay, there were some reports that the and contract numbers bantied about last week saying that the deal had been uh, conceived and that it was done. I talked to LAFC and they said, no, we're very close. The papers have not been signed yet. That's what That was a week ago. And we're still waiting for that to happen. Apparently, both sides agreed. They agreed on the contract. Everything was set. Still haven't got the deal done yet, and it could blow up as LAFC's deal with Andres Guardado blew up last summer in June. So uh, if the Galaxy are saying, look, we don't need Bradley Diallo because we're signing three defenders and they're all set and they're coming from uh, X, Y, and Z, uh, until those guys are uh, being fitted for their Galaxy kits, um, I think perhaps Bradley Diallo at least, and I would say Ari Lasseter too, but I don't know what the team is working on. Those are guys that you might want to hang on to at least until those other contracts are done. Yeah, I mean, it's always a balance. We've also been told, Kevin, that, you know, it doesn't mean that the LA Galaxy couldn't re-sign some of those players that they released. Although, um, in this particular case, and looking at the five players who were already released, um, let's see if I can memorize all of them uh, off the top of our head. Um, the ones we were able to confirm was Jack McBean, uh, Jose Villarreal, Jaime Villarreal, Nathan Smith, and Raul Mendiola are the five that we had, um, you know, listed. Um, you know, they could resign any of those guys, I guess. Um, Jose Villarreal being the only one that might seem to benefit from a possible renegotiation of contract terms after you have basically said, I'm not picking up the option. Um, otherwise, other than that, they're homegrown players that, you know, don't hit your salary cap and nobody was making an enormous amount of money. So um, in my opinion, it just doesn't make sense that you'd see any of those five sort of re-signed um, anytime soon. 
And, you know, the same with sort of the the, the same number of players that we've listed, uh, you know, that you sort of mentioned there, Kevin, is, again, it doesn't make any sense to me why you would decline the option in order to negotiate or renegotiate a contract. Um, it just, it usually would do that if you were going to, um, you know, save money. The one thing I can say, though, Kevin, you know, is it could be a matter of preserving flexibility, all right? And, and so you could go back and maybe re-sign those guys for the exact same amount of money. And maybe it would make sense that right now you want to free up those spots and see what you can bring in and, and bring in players. And I talked to uh, LA Galaxy uh, tech director of player personnel and scouting, uh, Kurt Schmidt, on Thursday, um, which I thought was really sort of enlightening uh, for me and finding out what he did. Kevin, I, I asked him what he did. Right in terms of what his actual job is, it was it was almost office space like. I said, "What do you do here? What would you say you do here?" And he came back and gave a list of items that all seem very general managerish to me. And so you look at their the fact that the LA Galaxy don't have a general manager, and that everybody seems to be sharing the general manager duties, but at the same time. You know, somebody, I think, has to be in charge here. Clearly, it looks like Ziggy's in charge in terms of player personnel. But what about, you know, CBA stuff? And what about all those? Kurt Schmidt said that he had a lot of pieces of that. Again, it, it seems a little strange in how the LA Galaxy have put it together. But in my opinion, the Kurt Schmidt hire, um, and I've said this uh, before because he came so highly touted from Seattle, seems like the correct hire to make. This didn't seem like one of those things where it's Siggy's son and that's the reason he's coming, although I'm sure uh, it's a large reason and I'm not going to discount that. But the fact that this was, his, you know, he, he's a hometown kid. He's he's from Southern California, grew up in Torrance. He, he, he considered the LA Galaxy, you know, sort of his club and, and his hometown club as he was growing up. And the fact that he comes, again, so well-respected. Garth Lagerway had tons of nice things to say about uh, Kurt Schmidt. So bringing him into this fold, I think, is a positive for the LA Galaxy. I just still find it weird that there's no general manager and there's like three or four guys who are splitting that role, not to go off on too much of a tangent there. Well, I've talked to some people in Seattle, too, and they all rave about Kurt. And uh, I, I think the setup is pretty good. First of all, we talked earlier, and I, I know it's been a topic of conversation all winter or fall, if we're still in fall, technically, um, about the Galaxy front office shakeup, which never occurred. Um, the way I read this now is that uh, clearly Pete Vienas lost his title and his job and went back to what he had before. Um, it kept his uh, position with the club, still parks in the same spot, um, but it now has his old role back. Um, what I see Kurt coming in to do is is he's essentially taking over, or my understanding is now he's Jovan's boss, which I think yeah. is another slap on the hand. Again, nobody got fired. Uh, Pete lost his title, went back to his old job. I think Jovan now is has someone to report to. Um, he is not in charge, the, the the main guy in charge of scouting now. Uh, technically, that falls to Kurt. So uh, Jovan got his hand slapped a little bit too. I do think that they are are going a little bit soft with Kurt. Again, everything I heard in Seattle matches what you heard. Everyone uh, thinks very highly of him, and clearly, I think he is the general manager. But you kind of put that responsibility on his dad. Um, it, his dad has the gravitas and the experience. I, I think it will be a collaborative thing. I don't think Kurt's going to do anything on his own, and I don't, I don't think Ziggy is going to try to do anything. I think Ziggy's going to learn, let Kurt do a lot of it, and then he's going to be sort of the final signature. Uh, you know, just as th when they were growing up, I'm sure when Kurt wanted to borrow the car, Ziggy had to ask where he was going and when he'd be back. It's kind of like that, and, and, and I think it's a good setup because you do have the, the experience. 
Kurt is going to be criticized for everything he does because people are going to say, oh, he's just Ziggy's son. Right. And he's going to be praised for a lot of things that go that go right. And it, it kind of reminds me a little bit in a different way of the setup with the Clippers, with Doc Rivers and his son Austin as one of the, the players on the team. And, uh, you know, Austin is a little bit protected because daddy's there, but he's also criticized because daddy's there. So I, I do think it's a good setup. I, I, I don't think anyone's going to be a 100% praiseworthy of either one of them, but I think any of the criticism is going to be you know, uh, uh, neutered a little bit because they're going to be working together. But what you were talking about with the players, um, first of all, I expect when we're talking about 15 players may not have their contracts renewed. Um, that to me is a huge, huge overhaul. I think Ziggy is, first of all, the whole idea of, of, of stacking the roster with people from Galaxy 2 and homegrown players and academy players, that's clearly gone. Ziggy's MO and the Galaxy knew this when they brought him in. Ziggy's MO is... Older guys, veterans, very much a Bruce Arena type person, people who have been loyal to him, who maybe have one or two good seasons left, and Ziggy wants those two seasons to be with him. That's that's what he did in Seattle. That's what he's clearly going to do here when you look at the names that they're talking about that have been released and that they're talking about releasing. I talked to uh, uh, Richard Moskin, who's one of the probably the most powerful uh uh, agent in in MLS and, and, and you know in U.S. soccer generally is kind of the Scott Boris I guess of soccer, and I asked him about the idea that look that this could be just the Galaxy releasing these guys and trying to sign them back, uh, and his response was very interesting because he he peppered his uh, his response with things like I believe if I understand correctly. Um, so he doesn't even get the rules and that's not a knock on him. That's just a knock on these rules are so gosh darn complicated that nobody uh, can understand them. So in the, he, Jack McBean is the guy that he represents. And what he said is, I believe anyone can take Jack in the re-entry draft or any other homegrown player, which the five we talked about were homegrown players at their option price. So that the price, the galaxy turned down as an option. Any other team in the league can take them in the re-entry draft if they want to. After the re-entry draft, if nobody takes them, then they are free to pursue other contract options consistent with MLS rules. That would mean if they go through the re-entry, as I read this, and correct me where you wrong, where I'm wrong, what you see, but I think what he's saying is they can go into the re-entry draft. If nobody takes them, then they are free to pursue other options with any other MLS team, including the Galaxy. Yes. So you're right. The way it works is, uh, just to throw out the numbers, because I don't know them, let's say Jack McBean's option number was 100000 and the Galaxy doesn't want to pay that, so he goes into the re-entry draft. No other team in the league wants to pay that. He could come back to the Galaxy at 60000 or 70000 or whatever the Galaxy can get him uh, for. Um, so, um, you know, that may, you, you may be right. That's one of the th- options they may have that they can bring those guys back. When I was told... I was reminded that the Galaxy could, could re-sign these guys. I didn't take that as an, uh, a statement, in fact, that we are going to do that. We're interested in those. I, I took that to mean don't be so hard on criticizing us. It's in within the realm of possibility that these guys could come back. I asked right. Richard about that with his players. I said, um, I understand that Jack McBean was told that he is no longer in the team's plans, uh, contract option notwithstanding that he is no longer in the team's plans. And he said – uh, that that was his that that was his the the agent's understanding as well. So I think the Galaxy want to make it look like they haven't cut ties with these guys. That there's still a friendly uh, family franchise that we all grew up with and loved. 
Um, but, uh, you know, Jack McVean's agent is saying flat out, they told him, uh, you know, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. Yeah. I was going to say, let's, uh, a listener wrote in as one of the questions and he said, uh, Luis writes in on Twitter and he says, how many tears did Josh shed when Jack McBean was re- released? I was starting to get a bit worried about him. I think he was worried about me and how many tears I, I listen. Um, let's see. I'm the same person. And Kevin, just as Kevin said that Dom Dwyer would never go to Orlando and he has to wear that. Um, I'm the person who said that, uh, Charlie Rugg, if you remember who that would be a rookie of the year candidate. Um, and I don't think he played too many first team minutes the entire year. So I I had to wear that. Uh, if I have to end up wearing the, uh, the Jack McBean is going to be a good player uh, for the galaxy in 2017, uh, thing, then I'll wear it. I also think that I could be greatly vindicated if Jack goes somewhere, uh, and plays well, because I'm not so sure that this season uh, you can pin on a lot of the players. There were a bunch of people who didn't perform. Uh, the team was poorly constructed and a whole bunch of other reasons that I still believe that I can be right about Jack McBean. So we'll see if that ends up happening. But for right now, I guess I wear that. And yes, Luis, I'm just fine. I survived somehow. Um, well, not not really. I mean, you're talking <laughs> about where McBean, you're still wearing black. You've had that armband on for a week now. That's, that's right. I'm, um, I'm in mourning. Yes. There, you know, I sent you the, the flowers now. It's time to get over it. That's right. Um, I will see uh, for all the problems are, are actually, I'm going to say I don't think Jack got a fair shake. And of all the young players that got a chance to uh, um, prove they didn't belong on the field and, and played themselves out of an opportunity, I don't think Jack even got the opportunity to do that. Uh, I, but I will say he did leave his mark on on two MLS opponents this year. He left his mark on Colorado. Remember the game in June when he scored two goals and, and the Galaxy won. And was there one of their few wins? ends the second half of the season and then he also left a big mark uh on uh, the face of matt beasler because i saw him with the national team in those last two games and he had a band-aid on his face and uh, we asked him what had happened and he said that jack mcbean had uh he had his face had collided with jack mcbean's cleats and uh left a mark on matt beasler so jack mcbean goes uh, leaves the galaxy having left a mark on two MLS opponents this year, and that's that's better than a lot of guys on that team did. Yeah, very, very, well, very well could be. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I mean that's sort of the, the the whole idea with all these players is that we don't know what the final outcome is. It could be that the Galaxy are leaving themselves tons of flexibility by opening up a whole bunch of roster spots, and if they can sign a whole bunch of players, they can. I still think, and I and I sort of mentioned this to Kurt Schmidt to see if he would. Um, you know, blow it out of the water. But whenever I mentioned possibly 15 new players, he didn't start to correct that. And whenever I talked to him about, you know, is this a rebuild or are there pieces around? And he's like, it's both. So he's seeing it as a rebuild and there's pieces that he can build around. So it's a rebuild that he has some pieces he can build around. But 15 players on a 30-man roster, getting rid of half the roster, Kevin, is a ton of positions. And you have to imagine that, you know, you know, granted, it's only 11 starters and you only get, get to dress 18 that, you know, a lot of the guys who were just in terms of depth, um, you know, could either move down further into the depth if they get guys to come in and fill in. But I mean, you know, a bunch of those players they're going to get are guys who may not see the field at all in 2018 as well, which is interesting to think of as you're building a team is that you want the depth, but clearly there's going to be guys who, who don't make it. So, I mean, it's it's interesting to see how the Galaxy are going about this. Um, you know, Kurt Schmidt was out on the road whenever we talked to him. Uh, so he was out there scouting. We knew that Siggy was out there scouting for a while there, Kevin. So they're clearly going out, and they're trying to identify the players 
um, to bring in. But uh, the first part of that is going to be the options and who doesn't have their option picked up and who doesn't uh, and and who gets released and all those interesting things. So that's going to be sort of the next step. And I believe that you're going to start seeing more and more of that as we get closer and closer to MLS Cup because you start getting into the uh, the expansion drafts right after MLS Cup there, Kevin. And, and that sort of really starts to kick off uh, the postseason calendar in terms of the drafts and where players are and, and all those different things. So it'll be uh, interesting. Well, let's, let's, yeah. let's try a Let's try a, a game here. Yes. Uh, you said 15 are going and 15 will be coming back. I don't know if the math is that clean, but so who comes back? I mean, Romain, yeah. uh, Boateng, uh-huh. both those Santoses, that's four. Yep. Uh, Jao Pedro would be five. Uh-huh. Seba is six. Okay. I think Jossie comes back because they don't know what to do with him. So that's seven. Okay. Siani. He is comes eight. back. Yep. He comes back. Pele is nine. Uh, Romney and Steres. That's, that's eleven. That's eleven. Um, let's see. We need four more guys who are staying. I think Baggio. Baggio is going to stay. Yep. Yep. That's twelve. <sighs> who else? There's three more players. To me, the bellwether is is Jermaine Jones. Um, that is the player in my mind to watch. I'll, I'll say Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole will be my 13th. Okay, and then... I think Ashley comes back. And then I think there's a reasonable chance that Jermaine Jones makes it back in, in 2018. Uh, so yeah, that, that, and, and I do... I, I'm going to... I'm going to ride this pony all the way to the barn. I'm going to say that that's a bad move for the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, and then so we have one more. I mean, you're looking at guys who are on the cusp, somebody like, you know, an Ari Lasseter or Bradley Diallo. It's sort of the ones that I would say, you know, are, are question marks. And I'm going to now I'm going to pull up. The, well, we didn't say Bradford it is Brad. I guess oh, yeah. Bradford, Bradford Jameson's Jameson coming back. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, coming okay. back. So that That's 15 right there. OK. So, but you look at all the guys who maybe, you know, one of the names that sticks out is Rafa Garcia, who has been with the club for a very long time. You know, do, do I think he's staying? I don't. I don't think, I think he could be a, a list of, uh, on the list of guys who, who gets uh, released next. Um, we talked about all three goalkeepers. I don't know that there's any good reason to keep any of them. Um, maybe you keep one. Uh, if you keep one, my guess is that they're going to keep Diop, which might scare a lot of people, but that's, I, I just, I just have this feeling, but I would lean more towards them not bringing anybody back. But, um, you know, when we go over the names we just talked about, again, looking at last year, it's homegrown, Galaxy 2, Academy guys, yada, yada, yada. Um, the guys that we talked about bringing back, the only two guys under the age of like 106 is basically Pele and um, and uh, um, Jao Pedro. Yeah. Everybody else is is pretty old and, uh, you know, they're veterans. It's going to look again like a like a Bruce Arena team, which obviously Bruce Arena's teams are pretty good. But just I mean, how did the Galaxy not get the bends changing philosophies so dramatically twice within? 12 months. No, it's it is it's it's a complete departure. But I mean, it's a complete departure with a reason. You had Cardinalfo in there because you wanted to go young and you wanted to skew young, and that was the whole idea behind Pete Vianis putting that roster together. Was we're going to skew younger, we're going to fill in with the academy kids. Granted, they got decimated by injuries, which may have forced them to play more of those guys, but those were the guys they put in as depth. So you had to expect those guys were going to get some minutes at some time. And they did, and your team you know, was, was hurt because of that. So that was that. Now you have Siggy Schmidt in there, Kevin, and now you have, um, you know, the ability to, to again, look more veteran-like. Uh, they said that they needed more experience. So, I mean, you know, what's going to be the, the average age of this roster? 27, 28, 29, 30? I mean, how, is it going to... If it's a Bruce Arena team, the average age is like 29, 30, right? If it's a Siggy Schmidt team with some of these younger players they're hopefully looking at and scouting in, uh, in places all across the country and outside and internationally, you know how much does that skew younger how much do they look like atlanta 
whenever it's all done and, and less like maybe Toronto, who's uh, definitely more veteran laden. Well, and, and, and you look at Ziggy's history, you know, he has people like Alonzo and Clint Dempsey he brought in. Um, you know, there are a lot of veterans there. You know, we talked about Evans. There are a lot of veterans there. But don't forget, he also brought in Jordan Morris and he brought mm-hmm. in some young players, too. So he, you know, if the player fits his scheme, you know, I think he can work with anybody. And I think, you know, Bruce can do that, too. One more last word on, on Baggio. Clearly, I'm a Baggio fan. Yes. And uh, it was announced today that the Stub Up Center is going to play host to a, a uh, friendly, the first friendly in the in the post-World Cup U.S. soccer era. It'll be January 28th at the Stub Up Center against Bosnia-Herzegovina. I'm kind of hoping that maybe uh, Husidic just called up for that game and gets to play for Bosnia at the Stub Up Center. Uh, he was called up for the national team, I remember it was a year or two years ago. I remember the Galaxy made a big deal about it, and then all of a sudden they were playing in Canada, Montreal or Toronto, and all of a sudden, he's on the sidelines in a Galaxy uniform, and <laughs> the Galaxy response was, oh, yeah, we forgot to tell you he wasn't able to go. Well, I'm hoping he does get to play. I mean, he doesn't have to travel very far. It would be great if he got to play his first national team game you know, yeah. in his club's home field. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we move on a, a little bit more Galaxy news. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos apparently has picked up an injury off with the Mexican national team. It was No way. I, Gio got hurt. That's that's a crazy thing. Uh, Shocked I, and appalled again. I guess Mexico is classifying this as a minor muscular injury. Um, it meant that Giovanni Dos Santos did not play in Mexico's one nothing win over over, um, over Poland. Uh, they got played, I think, on Monday as we're recording the show, so a little bit earlier in the day. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos did start that game and, and played for a while before he was... Uh, 70, what, 74 minutes. 74 minutes, okay. And Giovanni Dos Santos, with the minor injury, was on the bench, Kevin, so he did dress. Well, I want to talk about injuries now. First of all, Gio gets hurt way too much. I'm sorry. I know it's a rough game, and uh, he's just kind of a small guy, but... Man, you know, the guy seems to be it just, uh, you know, injuries just follow him around. But the fact that the the Mexican national team said it was a minor injury and then he winds up on the sideline uh, in the 18 tells me it was a minor injury. Uh, you know, and when players pick up a minor injury with the Galaxy, it generally means that their their legs broken. Uh, you know, every one of their injury reports this year that the Galaxy put out when a guy would be back, they were off by, uh, in the case of some players, multiple months. So a minor injury for the Galaxy generally means the guy's in intensive care and may not survive. <laughs> uh, at least we know that it, the Mexican national team is a little more honest with their injury reports. Um, it, it's how, it, it totally sounds like a pre- precautionary thing. If, if, if he was unable to start but was in the 18, he probably could have played. But what's the point of playing him in, in a November friendly uh, against Poland? He was there for the experience, and, and uh, whether or not he got on the field obviously wasn't a big deal. Well, well, a big question for this offseason is what are Jonathan Dos Santos and Giovanni Dos Santos going to do uh, to keep themselves ready for the World Cup that they are going to as uh, as obviously members of the Mexican national team who have qualified for uh, the 2018 World Cup in Russia. So they're going. Uh, it was a big deal, I remember, whenever Landon Donovan was uh, was part of the U.S. men's national team and what he was going to do to keep himself ready for the World Cup and how these guys sort of viewed it. Um, there are now lots of rumors, Kevin, although I will say that I don't think any of them are, are substantiated to, to any sort of uh, credibility that you and I have seen. Um, but Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos possibly going to Liga MX. Now, there's two ways to look at that because whenever you read the articles and the translations and everything in between... 
it sort of leads you to believe, Kevin, that perhaps maybe they're moving there permanently. And But I would say that if you're looking at this rumor and you want to make it as realistic as possible, I would say that you would look at Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos possibly going to Liga MX um, as a loan deal in the offseason in order to make sure they keep up their fitness and readiness for the World Cup uh, in Russia in the summer of 2018. Now, here's the thing, though. I believe the transfer window doesn't even open up until maybe uh, the middle of December or early January in terms of when they could actually go to Liga MX to play and to keep up that fitness and go on loan if they were just doing a loan. So you're talking about, you know, still some time before that can happen there, Kevin. Uh, you and I had a conversation about this whenever we saw some things, and I've talked to some people, and nobody's heard anything about any any of this. So I would say right now there it's sort of an unsubstantiated rumor. But when you look at Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos possibly going to Liga MX in the off season, I, I just I think that there needs to be a, a little bit of a flag raised on this because if you're going for such a short time. Are you coming back for the LA Galaxy in preseason? Um, there's usually a tendency for these loans to carry through preseason, Kevin, and even into you know the first or second week of the season. And so if you're looking at that, if you're the LA Galaxy, you have sort of hitched your wagon to Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, as the stars for your club, and there would be a possibility if they go to Liga MX on loan that they would not be available for your team at the start of the season. I mean, that seems to me like it could be a disaster, Kevin. Well, there's a lot there. Let, uh, first of all, let me say Chicharito did not play in that game in Poland today. So clearly this was a, a uh, treated like a friendly, the friendly that it was. And, and uh, uh, Juan Carlos Osorio did not run all of his top players out there with minor injuries. But speaking of Juan Carlos Osorio, I have had a chance to talk to him extensively about his, his feelings about MLS. And remember, he coached in MLS um, his children were born in the United States while he was coaching here. Uh, he wants to come back to MLS. He's even been rumored as being uh, one of the people being considered for the U.S. national team job. So, but he has a very Klinsmanian. He, he thinks like Jurgen when it comes to MLS and where his players should play. And he has not said, uh, nor did Jurgen uh, say you can't go to MLS, but he's let it be known that he wants his players playing at the top level possible. That top level is in Europe. Um, uh, and, and he says, look, if you have a chance to play against the top talent, why would you not want to do it? Especially, he has said, Juan Carlos Osorio, in a World Cup year or a year leading up to a World Cup. Why would you not be wanting to test yourself? You know, his, his theory, and you can talk about MLS all you want, but his theory, I think, is correct. If you're playing in MLS, a competitive league, um, but then all of a sudden you step up to a World Cup and you're facing a Messi or you're facing, uh, you know, Ronaldo or you're facing Neymar. It's a different kind of game. And, and you know, some of those teams have 11 uh, Neymars or Neymar-like people on them. And so you're coming from playing the Columbus Crew and all of a sudden you're playing uh, the Portuguese national team. It's a different game. It moves at a much different speed. The players do, uh, you know, much different things. So his point is you can't prepare for that by playing in MLS. And actually, you know what? I'm not an MLS hater, but I agree with him. I, I mean, I think that that's true. And so what he wants his guys to do is test themselves at their top level. So that's one thing. Second thing is we know that uh, the Dos Santos's 
their uh, their pride and joy, what you know, what gets them up in the morning, what, their drive is to play for the the national team, and we've seen that where Geo uh, appears to sleepwalk through three or four MLS games. All of a sudden, it's time for the Mexican team call up, and all of a sudden, he becomes Robbie Keane again. Uh, so we know that that's what motivates him. So. With that as a background and with Juan Carlos Osorio having made clear his desire that the the core of his team as starters will be guys who play against top competition, I could definitely see them wanting to get back to Mexico. It's not Europe. Uh, Both Dos Santos has had sort of checkered careers in Europe, I think. Um, You know, I think that they're happier back here in the States and they'd be even happier in Mexico. So there does seem to be, to, to me, there seems to be a motivation, a reason why they would want to go play in Liga MX. And and I'm kind of dismissing the idea of a loan because I think where they're playing in May and June leading into the World Cup is more important uh, than when they're playing uh, uh, in you know January or the early part of the Mexican League season. So if this happens, I think that they go back to Mexico and I think they stay there through the World Cup. Now, whether the Galaxy would allow a seventh or seven or eight month loan that would be ridiculous. They are essentially forfeiting their season by having their two DPs play for another team in another league. That would be ridiculous. That would be embarrassing. I can't even see the Galaxy doing that. But there does seem to be a reason and a motivation why uh, these players want to go back to Mexico. And that brings me to sort of the main point. Um, I have heard rumors talk about the idea that Daddy Dos Santos, who's involved, very heavily involved in their in his son's career, had been trying to talk about a package deal. Uh, he was uh, threatening the Galaxy in threat. I don't mean that uh, th- that's a stronger word than I mean, but he was uh, it, trying to impress upon the Galaxy that if uh, the kind of player personnel moves that he wanted to uh, see done in Los Angeles weren't done, that he would take his sons as a package to a Mexican League team. They've talked about Monterey being one where the, the two boys grew up. So you know, it's a rumor right now. I, I, you know, I think if you were a betting person, you'd probably bet against it not happening. But I could see a lot of reasons why it would happen, and most of those reasons are things that the Dos Santoses would want, not the Galaxy. I think your argument: it would be embarrassing for the Galaxy to start the season without two of their three DPs. It would be more embarrassing for them to be gone for seven months. I don't see any any uh, um, any high high road for the Galaxy on this. I mean, they're 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 going to risk having two unhappy de- designated players. Uh, they're going to risk an, having an unhappy Mexican. A national team coach who definitely is going to be putting the screws to the Dos Santoses and tell them that they should be playing in a higher league somewhere. And and then we have uh, their dad and agent who sort of wants to uh, be the guy driving the bus here. Um, I don't want to say the Galaxy got, got snookered and got taken on this, but, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be a good situation for the Galaxy because either they lose both players or they have two unhappy players that stay. Well, I would say that, the, you know, the best case scenario for this, if you're looking in terms of how the LA Galaxy could rapidly fix themselves, is that both Dos Santoses do go to Mexico. I think that would be the best case scenario right now, because while I think Jonathan Dos Santos would be a very good player to possibly great player in Major League Soccer for what he is as a box-to-box midfielder, um, I don't think that it's worth it to the LA Galaxy to try to keep Giovanni Dos Santos. And we've always said that there's no way you're moving one of them. You can't just get rid of Giovanni Dos Santos. You didn't bring Jonathan Dos Santos in in order to, you know, see Giovanni 
take take a ride somewhere. So that's not happening. So you either have to keep them both or you have to get rid of them both. The best case scenario here is the Galaxy could open up two designated player spots for the beginning of the year. Um, that you know they probably fill one of those immediately. Um, you know, go, looking somewhere and and whether that's South America or whether that's Europe, they'd fill one of those and maybe they hold on to the second one and look at what they need in the summertime in, in terms of flexibility. So there's ways for them to do that and the Galaxy come out looking like they dodged a bullet because right now it feels like they're trapped by having both Dos Santos brothers there. Um, they, I feel like they are under a, maybe an undue influence from um, you know Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos and their father being able to put pressure and apply pressure on the LA Galaxy because he does have you know two-thirds of the LA Galaxy's designated players um, sort of under his control. So you look at those things and for the Galaxy maybe the best thing and we've talked about it before Kevin is to see both Dos Santos's go away but I just feel like there's no way the LA Galaxy wouldn't look bad if they got rid of both of them as well because and, they and just made the move that's exactly the point I was gonna make they don't dodge a bullet they get wounded by the bullet they get uh they suffer a crippling injury that they may be able to recover from after a lot of rehab but the reason I say that is a couple years ago they brought in Gio over protest from the coaching staff by the way uh, they brought in Gio. Uh, we got the song and dance, the press conference. This guy's going to do so many things. He's going to move heaven and earth. He's going to make us marketable in the Mexican-American community, all these things. Um, and he said, this is where I want to be. And then they bring in his brother, and they double down on the same uh, kind of shaky bet. And Jonathan says all the same things. But key to that, he said, I've always wanted to play again with my brother. So that's where you're right about the these guys move or stay as a pair. But my point about the crippling injury is we're in the, the beginning stages of the Galaxy saying, hey, you know what? Last year's uh, plan for putting this roster together with young, uh, you know, homegrown players and academy people, that didn't work out. We're changing course 180 degrees. We're going in a completely different direction. And now they're going to say – and you know what? Remember that whole thing we told you about these Dos Santos brothers and how they're going to make us better and how they were young, dynamic. Remember the whole song and dance we got? Young, uh, designated players, young guys, uh, dynamic impact players. These are not Robbie Keynes or Steven Gerrard. These are younger guys. Now they're essentially going to to uh, send them off to Mexico and they're going to say, no, we've given up on that strategy too. And that's where I think you're right, where they said this would be essentially the third kind of reboot uh, within just a few months where they, they, their whole philosophy, the whole foundation they were building their roster on, they'd given up on. So if the, as much as people may look at the uh, Dos Santos is leaving and saying, we can build something better. Um, it's once again, they're going to be building on rubble of a broken foundation. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, again, I don't think the galaxy look good either way. Um, I think that, you know, if they did lose both of them, that it's the easiest probably to recover from because you can go out and get new designated players, but you have to eat the humble pie. Now, there's a positive. If you got more money than what you paid for them, Kevin, uh, if you made an overall profit that then would be able to be returned to the team in some way or fashion because they're designated players, you could save the money from the sale of them um, in order to, uh, again, go after other designated players without losing too much of your money. If you did that, that, there's a little bit of a way to save face saying, hey, you know, we couldn't turn down the deal. Look at how much money we got. Now we have two designated player spots. I mean, that's the most I can positive spin it. If you put these guys on loan and they're not available for the first game against LAFC, because you know, Kevin, the first game of the 2018 season 
for sure is going to be the LA Galaxy either hosting or at LAFC. If the LAFC stadium is done, it's at LAFC with the LA Galaxy. That's the first game of the season, guaranteed. So if you start that season without Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos because they're still on loan somewhere, and if, I mean, worst, worst case scenarios, they stay on loan for six or seven months um, and don't make it back until the summertime because, again, you said you, you basically tossed in the first half of the season. Um, with all of those things happening... Those are all the worst scenarios. So the, well, the, the and, least worst to me is that they could sell them. And I, you brought up the LAFC thing. Imagine if they're still on loan and uh, the Galaxy goes and plays LAFC and Carlos Vela's there for LAFC. All of a sudden, the idea of uh, who's the Mexican-American team, who's the, you know, all that goes out the window. The Galaxy go down without even firing a shot. Um, but it's interesting that you talk about the price they may or may not be able to get for these guys. Um, oh, and you also did, picking up a lot of stuff you said. You talked about eating humble pie. The galaxy is not very good at eating humble pie, especially <laughs> this front office. Those guys will choke on the first bite. So I don't imagine that they're going to eat humble pie. I imagine they're going to come up with some big convoluted, uh, um, you know, thing about how we knew this was going to happen. This is what we were thinking about all along. But in their defense on that, they may be able to 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 actually make an argument that is close to that because. If you remember, you and I were at the press conference together when Jonathan Dos Santos was unveiled, and we went to Chris Klein. One of the things we said is, now you, you're locked in for three DPs for the, to, and, and through the 2019 season. How do you get out of it? What, what if all of a sudden uh, you know, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo wants to come to L.A.? You don't have a DP spot. And he said, we can, send, we can uh, transfer a, a number of these players out. We got Jonathan at a very cheap price. He goes, we can transfer these guys out and make money on it. So I don't know whether that plan, whether this is part of a grand scheme and Jonathan was just uh, stopping here on his way to Mexico and the Galaxy knew that. But it's interesting that you make that argument as the way that they could possibly save face if they got a lot of money back. And that was Chris Klein's first argument when we brought up the idea of being locked in with three DPs. So perhaps this is something that's been talked about before. You know, the Galaxy did work very hard to get Jonathan out of Villarreal, and, they, and they, they talked to those guys for some time about making that happen. Whether this is part of a larger scheme, it would seem to be really stupid. If he wants to go to Mexico, why not go straight to Mexico? Why, why go through the galaxy unless it was to pick his brother up on the way? But even then, the, as you said, the, even if it turns out to be the greatest uh, player personnel move in MLS history— for a long time, the Galaxy are going to look kind of stupid if that's the way it goes down. Yeah, and you know, I don't know that there's much saving them from looking stupid at this point because they had such a uh, a horrible 2017 season that um, they sort of have to wear that 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 stupid tuxedo there for for a while. So we'll we'll continue again. It's something that I don't know if there's a ton of, of force behind it, and I don't know that we have anything substantial, Kevin. I know I don't. It's more rumor and speculation at this point, but it's rumor and speculation within a realm of possibility for. all all three of those scenarios that we sort of laid out. So um, I, I'm with you, Kevin. I think if you're looking at it happening versus not happening, that you would bet on uh, it not happening right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't change with, you know, the few a few words from uh, Papa Dos Santos and all of a sudden everything, uh, you know, switches directions and now there's some real momentum behind this. So it, it's, again, uh, another sort of facet of the LA Galaxy's offseason that they're going to have to manage and how well they do that. And we saw during the Beckham years that perhaps 
they didn't do that too well, Kevin. So, uh, you know, this is this is another era, a new coaching era. How are they going to handle the expectations from their stars and where those stars are supposed to be? And how do you handle the the fact that you had Giovanni Dos Santos score three goals from the run of play in 2017, um, and now he's still expecting to be treated as, as that star player? So uh, lots of really... Um, juicy sort of things to follow in the offseason and how they all go out. Um, and of course, if we hear anything, we're going we're gonna to let you know. But let's go, Kevin, a little bit uh, further into the possibility of things. Paul Tenorio of 442 uh, wrote another article. And to give you a programming note and an update, I have scheduled Paul to be on the Thursday show to talk about this. But Kevin and I at least wanted to dig into it a little bit. And perhaps if we have, have some questions, I can then take those and, and give those to Paul. But Paul wrote an article talking about, one, some free agency things, which I'm sure I'll cover with Paul on Thursday. But again, it's the back to the TAM stuff, the targeted allocation money, Kevin, that you and I have talked about uh, in terms of possibly coming to coming to Major League Soccer in 2018 and what that could mean for teams and you know specifically the LA Galaxy. So um, Paul sort of reported that the owners at initial thought here are looking at an increase of 800000 in TAM money, so targeted allocation money. That was what the owners were thinking. That would raise, that would take the $1.2 million in TAM that is currently available per team, and it would raise it to $2 million total with that $800,000 increase. So if that increase was to take place, there would be $2 million of targeted allocation money to um, to use. Uh, however, it seems like Don Garber in the league, at least, and for, for this time being, Kevin, it's actually interesting that we can separate the league from the owners, um, which isn't always the case. A lot of times they're one and the same, but it seems like the league and Don Garber want to look at a total increase of $2 million. Um, and this is a discretionary fund, and that you know that really means that teams would spend it if they wanted to spend it, um, but they wouldn't have to spend it. So the teams that don't spend a lot of money, maybe they don't spend any of this money. Uh, the teams that do spend a lot of money, they're going to eat up all $2 million of the increase. Uh, that would be a total of $3.2 million in targeted allocation money uh, that would be a ton of money to be sunk sort of in those middle tiered players that we talked about and because of the restrictions on international players at least in my mind Kevin you're looking at this targeted allocation money increase really possibly hitting American players for once um, and and you know trying to find some of those better players um, you know like the Sasha Kleshens who is already on I think targeted allocation money but it would be an increase of being able to spread some of that wealth around so maybe the, the a middle class increase if you will uh, if some of this targeted allocation money could come down they also talked about raising the cap on targeted allocation money which is currently under one million dollars right now to 1.5 million dollars we had talked maybe about it being two million dollars Kevin in the possibility of somebody like uh, Roman Alice and Drini being bought down in targeted allocation money, and then the LA Galaxy would have another designated player spot open. Um, right now, it seems like it's going to be $1.5 million. So, again, with all of these things being said, it, it's another interesting sort of note when you look at what Major League Soccer is trying to do here about what the league wants, what the owners want, and what could be the ultimate result of that, Kevin. I mean, where, where do you sit on this? Is this a good thing for Major League Soccer, or is this possibly, as, as Paul uh, Tenorio sort of puts out, will this widen the chasm between the teams that spend and the teams that don't spend? Well, like the Dos Santos brother conundrum, I, I, you can split this one in three or four different ways. Um, it, but one thing that comes away from it, too, is neither one of us are fully 100% sure that we understand most or, or any of this. And, and again, it's these these MLS rules that they 
the it's sort of like the, the the you know the amendments to the U.S. Constitution. They keep adding stuff every time they think of something, as opposed to go back and maybe start and rewrite the 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 entire uh, rule book at one point. Uh, you know, you, you know, in other sports, um, how trades work and how free agency works and all that, and it's it's fairly simple. And and you can talk about how dumb it would be for a team like I don't know, say Sporting Kansas City, to send Dom Dwyer to Orlando City, and and they might do it anyways. But with all these rules, you don't quite know how how it all fits. And so I have a ton of questions. Um, the $2 million in league money that's discretionary, teams can spend it or not spend it. Um, one question about that is, do they go to the league and say, hey, we're going to sign Josh Guessman and we need $2 million, and then the league writes them a check and it's done? Or does the league give them the money and say, we trust you to do whatever you need to do with it? Because if they do that, you're going to have the same problem Major League Baseball had with the Miami Marlins and others, where they took the money, the revenue sharing money that they were supposed to spend on players, um, and it, it was kind of required in, in you know in the collective bargaining agreement between Major League Baseball and the union that they would spend this money to upgrade their roster, would go to players, and and uh, the Marlins pocketed that money. Would MLS teams be able to do that? In other words, if the money comes to them and they don't want to spend it, can they pocket it? And the reason I ask that is the vast majority, and I'm talking you know, 18, 17, 18 of the 22 teams lose money every year. And and I believe uh, in my heart of hearts that one of the reasons the Galaxy all of a sudden stopped spending big was because, uh, and their payroll has gone down the last two seasons, was because Mr. Anschutz has got tired of losing money. He talks about, you or Forbes talks about the Galaxy being the most uh, lucrative franchise in MLS. That's true if they sell it. But uh, it's a lost leader year over year when they, uh, they're they in the red big time by 5 or $6 million the last year, my understanding is. So if, if the league came to them and said, here's $2 million, you can go sign a player or you can pocket it um, for some of these teams and perhaps the Galaxy – uh, it might be a, an attractive option to pocket it. So that's the, the discretionary thing is important. And then you talk about the TAM money, which you're absolutely right. It's not supposed to go to, uh, um, you know, apprentice players coming out of college and, and, and being promoted from Galaxy 2. And it's not supposed to be enough to uh, have your team laden with uh, designated players. That's what sunk the NASL back in, in the 80s before you were born. Um, <laughs> I actually went to some of those games. Um, so it's not to do that. What it's to do is it's to help the mid-range players. And, and we know that for the most part, we're getting a lot of Latin Americans now, but for the most part, that's money that will go to American players. It's not enough to get a European guy to come over here. Uh, it may not be enough to get the top flight Latin, uh, Latin American players. So it's American players. Why is that important? Why is this rule coming out now? What team just did not make the World Cup for the first time since 1986? And there's all this gnashing of teeth about we need to develop American players. We need to keep them here in our system, play in our model, and bring another, uh, other American players along. And, and I think you could look at that and say that may be one way MLS is trying to address that. And, and we talked earlier about you want players to go to Europe. And, yes, we have Jeff Cameron and DeAndre Yedlin and all those players over there. But as they go over there and excel, I'm not sure how much they're helping – develop other American players. And so, yes, the ideal situation would be to have to have a lot of Americans playing in Europe on the top teams. But if you can develop players here and have, uh, you know, some mid-level players pushing other mid-level players and they develop together, um, that would be an ideal solution. And that would help deepen the talent pool that the U.S. national team, uh, you know, gets its players from. So if TAM is going to go up to $3.2 million, or yeah, $3.2 million in TAM, which is Almost the salary cap, what the existing salary cap is now, so that kind of doubles the salary cap in a way. And if that money goes to American players, 
that that could be a very good thing, and that could be what MLS is thinking about. Uh, they are they in U.S. soccer uh, for all their problems. They are sort of uh, husband and wife, you know, where they are wedded together, and the success or failure uh, of of one affects the other. And the way it affects the galaxy is if that money goes up. Remember, Galaxy is still sitting on a ton of money. Because of their poor finish, they're going to get you know, draft picks and some some money there. They've got the $500,000 from the Paul Areola to DC United trade. Um, they're sitting on some uh, allocation money anyways. Uh, the Galaxy, if in fact all this happens, the Galaxy may go into this offseason with way more money than anybody. Uh, that gives them way more flexibility, um, which is a good thing. On the other hand, if they have another bad offseason, they may have just uh, blown an opportunity that they may not see again for, I don't know, maybe another generation. This was their first last place finish. They may not be in this position again for a long time. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting conundrum. We'll see how the uh, LA Galaxy and what, uh, you know, the big deal here is, and, and Paul sort of talks about it in his article, is that there has been no decision yet. And if there's no decision, then you can't start planning for what you have in 2018. And that's starting to be a big thing. I know there's still some teams in the playoffs, but even when the LA Galaxy were winning MLS Cups, uh, Bruce and his staff were already planning for 2018 at this point. Um, so there needs to be a decision. The decision needs to come soon. You would expect an announcement to come soon, but at the very least you should hear that the teams know what is going on, and right now the teams don't know that. There's a big difference between, oh, I have an extra $800,000 uh, to be able to spend on targeted allocation uh, players, and there's a, you know, and $2 million more. Um, so that that entire $3.2 million, and granted, with $1.5 million, that gives you two players players that you could pay one point, you know, four nine 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 million dollars, Kevin, uh, which is a ton of money. I mean, you know, you're going back to these could be some very good players either in South America or if you wanted to go the aging European way, you could still get maybe a 33 or 34 year old, not upper echelon European player, but a very, very solid, very good player for two of those. But again, without the increase in international slots, um, I still feel like there's going to be more of this money sunk into Americans than there has been in the previous time. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And again, scheduled to have Paul Tenorio from 442 on the program on Thursday uh, to discuss some of this stuff and, and really get his view. So we'll uh, we'll get to talk to him, and I'm, I'm excited about that as long as everything happens. Of course, schedules change sometimes. Things fall through, so uh, just keep that in mind as I give you a little heads up of what is coming up on Thursday. Uh, Kevin, go in real quick here to a, a guy, and we talk about acquiring players. And so, so sort of one of the fun things that we've been kicking around is whether or not Brad Evans... Um, currently of the Seattle Sounders, finds his way down to the LA Galaxy. And, and the backstory of that is that uh, Brad played with uh, Columbus uh, in Columbus when Siggy Schmidt was there, and then Siggy went to Seattle and brought Brad with him. So now that Siggy is down in Los Angeles, what are the chances that Brad Evans makes his way to Los Angeles as well? And I'll give you a little bit of background that I had heard a rumor after the 2014 MLS Cup, or actually during the 2014 MLS Cup, that Brad Evans was thinking about Los Angeles as a, as a final destination for him. Um, that never came to fruition, or at least not in the three years since that sort of happened. But uh, as you look at it, Kevin, I mean, you know, it, it's a little bit of a joke, a, a little bit of a, a laugh, but at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me even a bit if, if Brad Evans ended up down with the LA Galaxy. Well, yeah, and I think the key here is Ziggy Schmidt. Brad Evans, to me, kind of puts a name and a face on what I what I see think of as a philosophy or a movement that I think Ziggy is going to try to bring here. And by releasing 15, if that's what it turns out to be, 15 players with Galaxy uh, pedigrees, 
I think then we're definitely going to see the, the sand shifting a little bit. We're going to be able to, to see where Ziggy's going. Brad Evans told me before the first game that Ziggy coached, if you remember uh, back in July, that very first game with Ziggy as Galaxy coach was against Seattle. And and I talked to Brad Evans on the phone. He said, I've been in MLS 11 years. I've never played against Ziggy Schmidt. That's because he signed in Columbus originally, played two years under Ziggy there. Ziggy went to Seattle. One of the first things that Ziggy did is he signed – Brad Evans to follow him to Seattle, and then he played nine nine seasons in Seattle, and now I can totally see him bringing uh, Brad Evans to Los Angeles. He's 32 years old. He made $300,000 last year. Um, that's a pretty good salary. Um, you know, he's a veteran center back, uh, a guy that probably wouldn't see uh, you know a lot of playing time. But again, that's a position where the Galaxy really could have used some depth. Um, and we, you know, AJ De La Garza wasn't a starter last year. And I think he played in 32 games, just moving around filling in for guys that were injured or suspended. Uh, so Brad Evans is a guy, he's a Ziggy guy and he's loyal to Ziggy. He's a veteran. He's a solid guy. He's not flashy. Everything that Brad Evans is, is the kind of player that I think Ziggy wants. And I, and I do believe that we saw that with Bruce Arena. We saw him bring Mike McGee in, uh, from, uh, the East coast. No, you know, he was with uh, New York at the time, I think, and they really didn't want him. They didn't see the value in, in him. And he comes and, you know, with Bruce, he becomes this this veteran graybeard guy who, who you know, Bruce brought him back from Chicago uh, when he appeared to have, uh, you know, played his last game in MLS. And he had a couple of good seasons here. Alan Gordon. You, you can go down the list. Jeff Lorenowitz, people that didn't seem to fit in where they were anymore. They were reclamation projects. They were veterans. They were older guys. Bruce bought them in and got that last ounce of talent and, and performance out of them. Um, and so I, I expect that we will see Brad Evans here, and I expect that he will not be the only one uh, uh, that sort of fits that description coming here to play for Ziggy. Um, that This will be Ziggy's attempt to put his own stamp on the team and, and getting guys that come in that are loyal to him. Remember, he stepped into a locker room that was very, very loyal to Kurt Anafo and he stepped in and he had to kind of win them over to his side. And from some of the talk I, uh, I've heard from players, he never really did that, that it's still Kurt's locker room. It's not Ziggy's locker room. So uh, by re- releasing some of the young guys who were Kurt Anafo disciples, by bringing in guys who have played for Ziggy and that are loyal to Ziggy, uh, this will become Ziggy's team by the first game next season. I expect to see Brad Evans and others like him uh, come down here and be uh, in, in Galaxy Kits by January. Yeah, always fun to sort of uh, look at some of those guys and who could follow Siggy. Uh, again, there's some gravitas there with Siggy as there was with Bruce Arena. So the fact that Bruce was able to sort of pull on some of those older guys who came in, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that Siggy would be able to do the same. So we'll uh, we'll keep our eye on that. And obviously, if there's any signings or rumors of that, we'll, we'll of course, bring them to you. Let's get to some uh, listener questions before we get out of here. And one of the things that uh, a listener has asked um, at Official Hernandez, he writes in and says, are the reports that the Galaxy are interested in Patrice Evra true? Um, Kevin, 36-year-old French left back, um, got just got released, I believe, from uh, Marseille for, for trying to kick a fan or actually kicking a fan in the head. Uh, you know, what a... I'll be honest with you. As soon as I said 36-year-old left back, there was already no way this was happening. Uh, The LA Galaxy currently have one of those who will be 37 next year. Uh, So if Ashley Cole comes back and is is sort of patrolling there, do you want a 36-year-old who's going to back him up? And I'm imagining he's not coming cheap. So what do you think, Kevin? Well, we talked about this before. There are so many rumors that the Galaxy, despite this poor season, despite the fact Bruce Arena has left, the Galaxy overseas is still the New York Yankees. Um, They are still the team that... 
uh, when anyone talks about going to MLS, they will always pepper their conversation with the Galaxy. You will hear that from every European player when they're trying to renegotiate a contract in Europe. They will say MLS is a possibility. I would like to follow Frank Lampard to New York City or perhaps play for the Galaxy like Robbie Keane. You never hear them talk about um, Real Salt Lake or Columbus or or Sporting Kansas City where Dom Dwyer was such a big name as we know. You never hear them talk about those teams. Um, I, I'm kind of done with the rumor following thing. I, I The more I think back about what happened with uh, Ibrahimovic at the beginning of the season and then through the season when uh, he was injured and he wasn't going to go back to Manchester City, I kind of felt like I got played a little bit. People told me that, yes, the Galaxy did have an offer on the table. It was very close. I'm not sure I believe that anymore. But the point being is every every uh, name that's bandied about there, they're all coming to the Galaxy and None of very few of them ever make it here. And you know what? The ones that do make it here um, are the ones that are very quiet. I, I didn't hear anything about Steven Gerrard coming until he signed. Uh, there were rumors about Geo, but all the rumors were saying there's no way this could happen because the Deck Galaxy don't have any DP spots left. And all of a sudden, TAM money came out of out of nowhere and they were able to land, uh, you know, Geo. So uh, Ashley Cole and, and Nigel de Jong, did, did anyone even mention those names before they signed with the Galaxy? So um, I'm with you. I think that, you know, it doesn't make any sense in just about every single way. But in the larger picture, I'm going to stay away from a lot of these rumors because they tend to be nothing. Fans get all excited about them. They get down on the Galaxy when they don't sign. You know, if we were to start a rumor on the show tonight that the Galaxy were going to sign Leo Messi, I can guarantee you the Galaxy would say things like, we we listen to talks about every player. We're, we're always talking to players. They would not deny it. Uh, fans would get all excited. It'd be a bogus rumor. It wouldn't happen. And then people would be disappointed. So chasing those rumors, I don't think, does anybody, you know, myself, the fans, or the Galaxy any good. So until I hear something concrete, I'm going to leave that one alone. But, uh, you know, we did the same thing with Kasike Honda. Remember how big those rumors were? They're in pictures of him in the airport. Um, and I know this everything started with apparently a trip to Southern California. So I'm with you. It doesn't make any sense for about a million different reasons. But again, in the larger picture, I want to stay away from the rumors unless there's actually some concrete evidence that says that it may in fact be be happening. Well, we uh, we already answered Master Larry's question at LA, at uh, Lair twenty two dog. He wrote in and said any update on the rumors of Dos Santos brothers moving on to League MX. We covered that at length, so uh, thank you for writing in there, Larry. Uh, let's see. We had uh, Brian, and Brian writes in, and he says, To make way for Beckham and Galaxy 2.0, the team rebranded. In 2017, the Galaxy seemed to shift foundational philosophy. Should they rebrand again and get back to their original L.A. roots? Would you be surprised if this L.A. Galaxy team rebranded, Kevin? Well, I, don't, I guess I don't know what he means necessarily by rebranding, but I do think that they have um, made a huge break with last uh, season's philosophy, and they're going in a... And, you know, again, 180 degree different direction. So they are doing things differently. They um, This is going to be Ziggy Schmidt's team. It seems like they're getting rid of a lot of the guys on the team last year, and they're going to remake the roster as Ziggy uh, wants it to be remade. So that, to me, is a rebranding, at least of the product on the field. Now, if he's talking about a larger marketing thing, I'm not quite sure what they could do at this point. But certainly the product on the field is being rebranded as we speak. Yeah, I mean, they, I, I'm sure he's talking about how the uh, the Galaxy's colors changed and how they went to a more Real Madrid white and sort of in, in anticipation of, uh, of David Beckham and a little bit of modernization of things. Um, I do not see the LA Galaxy rebranding I, you know, as one of the most successful 
successful franchises in Major League Soccer history and probably its most well-known franchise even now, even after the horrible season they had, uh, there would be, in my opinion, no benefit to changing that. And really, the LA Galaxy have been built around, obviously, you have the original MLS Cups in 2002-2005, but that 2011, 2012, and 2014 MLS Cups really cemented them on the world stage. For me, they stay the same from here on out. Um, Whether they could get a a tweak here or there, uh, could they ever become, you know, Los Angeles City? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that would ever benefit them up to a certain point, but for right now, I don't see any chance of them rebranding. I know lots of people might want to like rinse the stink off, uh, after the 2017 season, but I I don't think any sort of rebranding is, is really on the docket, nor would I, would it overall help. Um, let's go to, uh, another one, uh, Anish writes in and says, uh, what is going on with the LA Galaxy front office and its relationship with Dan Beckerman and AEG slash, uh, Anschutz? And he says this comes from a concerned LA Galaxy supporter and season ticket holder. So, um, I should say he or she, I guess Anish could be either a boy or a girl's name. Um, there's, there's no decipher here. So, uh, what do you think of, uh, uh, of what's going on with the LA Galaxy front office? Uh, Dan Beckerman, Phil Anschutz, how do you think that relationship is currently going there, Kevin? Well, I, you know, I, I think Dan Beckerman is sort of the guy in charge, but definitely he's taking his orders from Phil Anschutz. That would be my guess. Um, I do think that, that bringing in Kurt Schmidt was a good thing. I, don't believe that that idea came from Dan Beckerman uh, in, in in any way. I think that was uh, Ziggy's idea, and it may have even started back in July. Look, you guys bring me in, and if you sign me for next season, you got to bring my kid down. I know that there were uh, delicate negotiations with the Seattle Sounders uh, to allow them to release Kurt from his contract so he could come down here, but it does seem like Dan Beckerman is paying a lot of attention to other things besides the Galaxy, and that may be a good business move. You know, they they uh, own part of the basketball team that plays at the Staples Center. Uh, the Lakers, they own the Kings that play at Staples Center. They own Staples Center. Um, Dan Beckham has made a move to uh, to get more involved in championship boxing. There's going to be some boxing events that AEG is going to put on. So the Galaxy has really been put on a back burner. Um, I, I think that, obviously, uh, it's unfortunate because Phil Anschutz is named on the MLS Cup trophy. He's the one that saved the league. Um, you know, let's not forget that. In 2001, the league should have folded, and Phil Anschutz stepped forward with his checkbook couple others, Lamar Hunt and others were involved, but basically stepped forward with his checkbook and saved the league. So uh, this league has a, a tough spot in his heart. And again, he's the one whispering in Dan Beckerman's ear. Um, but I, I just think that they just got tired of losing money. I think they got tired of the league not taking that big step up. You know, how many times have we heard that MLS is about ready to make a breakthrough and it just never seems to happen? I think they, like some of the fans, got a little bit tired of that. So I, I think Dan Beckerman is calling the shots. I think maybe the front office is looking toward uh, Staples Center for a little bit more direction. I remember, um, you know, the last couple of years under Bruce Arena trying to get to talk to Chris Klein, and he was rarely at the Staples Center. He was always coming back to the Staples Center or leaving, and I assumed he was, or excuse me, his StubHub Center, and he was always coming back or leaving StubHub Center, and I assumed he was going to Staples Center to meet with Dan Beckerman. Um, I'm not sure that, that that's happening so much. It looks like a lot of the things the front office is doing, it it looks to me like they're being left to their own devices. Figure that You guys figure this out on your own. If you have a player you want to sign, come to me, and I'll tell you if I can afford it. I'm not sure that there's a lot of involvement on a day-to-day basis, and, and that's just uh, you know, from what I see. I saw Dan Beckerman at one Galaxy game this year. I know he was at more than that, but I saw him downstairs only once this season, and it seemed to me that he's been around a little bit more in the past, and certainly Tim Laiwiki was around much more than that. 
yeah, it's a it's an interesting uh, relationship right now. I'm um, I'm in agreement with you, Kevin. I feel like the LA Galaxy are being left to fix this themselves. Uh, whether that allows Dan Beckerman and and Chris Klein did a little bit of this, and Alexi Lawless was sort of quick to point it out. But if it allows Dan Beckerman to sort of sit back and say, "This is your mess. You clean it up." Because if you fail again, then I get to fire people, and it's not going to be my fault. I'm not getting fired for this. It's going to be your fault. You're going to get fired for this. So whether or not he's giving them ownership of that and allowing it to happen, and then he'll come in and clean house if he needs to. Um, I would have thought maybe he would have already been involved in that, but a lot like Chris Klein did, which seemed to have thrown uh, Pete Vianis and, and Jovan Krofsky, and I'm not going to say wrongly so, under the bus in terms of this was their problem. They're the ones who are going to get, quote-unquote, demoted or moved around or had people put in charge of them, different things. Uh, you know, Chris Klein was able to sort of stay above the fray for some people, and maybe that was a, uh, a good sort of you know deal for him in order to protect himself from possibly getting fired. So, again, you look at these things and how they're done. These are people, they're, they're moving around, Kevin, as if, you know, you know, as there's self-preservation in a lot of this. So you have to sort of understand that and see what you're seeing when you see it. Um, whether that makes it right or wrong, you know, is sort of always an interesting uh, discussion. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I feel with you, I'm with you, Kevin. It feels like the LA Galaxy are sort of on their own right now and being left to their own devices to fix this or... I have a feeling there's going to be a lot more uh, than just uh, being left alone. I have a feeling it'll finally involve uh, Beckerman, uh, you know, getting on the phone or, or getting very involved. And if that happens, I believe people will not no longer have their jobs. So no, I I think you're right. I, I mean, remember Tim Lionwicky was not let go because of what he did with the Galaxy. It was the football farmers field and the football arena and all that. It had nothing to do with the Galaxy. And I, I do think Dan Beckerman looked at this this year and said, you know what? I was a little bit too involved last year. Um, you know, he had that meeting with me in February. Where we talked about the team's philosophy, and he definitely gave the impression that he was the guy calling all the shots. And Chris Klein was basically there at the meeting, just saying, "Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I think so too." Um, and so I think maybe when they look back, they talked about trying to learn from this experience. And I think maybe when they look back. Maybe it came up from Dan or from maybe from others that, you know what, we didn't really know who was running, the, who was driving the bus here. We weren't really quite sure. Um, we wanted to do what you wanted, but you really didn't say what you wanted. And we really didn't know if that was a good idea, but we wanted to make you happy. So maybe he's decided to just get out of the way, let them do what they want. And as you said, then he can move forward and said, I, look, you know, I, I let you guys drive the bus and you ran it right into a wall. You're all out of here. And maybe that's the uh, the end game. But you're definitely right. I, at the beginning of the season, uh, the front office was united. Everybody was like, we're going young. We're going we're, we're going to use the academy. This is the way we're going. And then in the middle of the season, it was kind of like, well, we didn't think we we're going to have to play that many young guys, but we had to. And then by the end of the season, I heard a lot of he said he wanted to do this. That guy wanted to do that. This guy is where all of a sudden they weren't on the same page anymore. Everybody was throwing each other under the bus, as you mentioned. And it got to the point where at the end of the season, Chris Klein actually said to me, we never said we were going young. Oh, my God, really? For six months, that's all you talked about. And now that, it, that, that, that the, you know, again, the bus crashed. Now, all of a sudden, you said we weren't trying to steer it into that wall. I mean, come on. So, yeah, I, I, I think your take on it is, is very plausible that perhaps the idea is, OK, you guys run the show and we'll see where it goes. I will stay out of the way. But but if it doesn't go well, 
you guys are all in trouble. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And more interesting times for the... Again, you know, I know this season has been a complete disaster, but uh, it's been an entertaining disaster in terms of just how crazy it's gone off the rails and how, uh, how interesting all the backroom deals have sort of been. So it's more stuff to sort of keep an eye on as we go forward. Real quickly, we'll touch on a couple more of these, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Francisco writes in, and, and he, he just almost mirrors what you just said, Kevin, so we don't really have to talk about it. He goes, but how does the direction change from play the kids to wave the kids in 10 months that's good play the kids to wave the kids yeah in, i like in, that in that months. might that may be coming to a newspaper near you real soon <laughs> that's stolen from kevin baxter right there francisco you can of course at him and uh and yell at him when he does it uh let's see uh let's see curious this is mark mark writes in uh at the zizu 29 he says curious about the goalkeeper situation we've released a lot of players none of them keepers do you think we look within the league or abroad we've already talked kevin about the galaxy possibly releasing all three of their goalkeepers in fact i think it's more likely they release all three goalkeepers then keep just one as I had suggested um, I think that their first task will be to look within the league and see what is there if they can't get somebody within the league then they'll go outside and the reason I say that is that the Galaxy with their French players and the, and their Mexican players they have a lot of international spots already taken up um, I would think that you would try to go domestic as, as much as you could if you could find a good replacement there uh, Zach McMath would still be a great signing in, in my particular case I, I think even um, people are talking about uh, Pat Onstead as well. There's there's guys around who could possibly be fillers. Uh, the name, if you want to go international, for me at least, is is Jaime Pinedo still coming back, which I think is more of a realistic possibility now than it ever would have been with Bruce Arena. Um, however you feel about Jaime Pinedo, that's sort of up to you and and how you see that. So anyway, that's that's sort of where we uh, where I stand on that. Any any comments on that one, Kevin? Well, didn't you say I thought it was something that you had written or someone had quoted Ziggy as saying that. Um, uh, he was asked about the grades that he would have given his goalkeepers, and I think he said he'd give two of them a C minus, and then he would have given one a, a C. Anyway, his his response was that none of the three goalkeepers really seemed to have had a good season, uh, and he seemed to be unhappy with all of them. So, um, you know, th- that was kind of interesting. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, left open the possibility that all three of those guys would would be gone. Uh, you know, during the recent uh, Gold Cup. Nicaragua had a very good goalkeeper, too. And remember, Jaime Pinedo was a little bit of an unknown when he came up from Panama. Uh, I don't know whether uh, an unproven goalkeeper from Nicaragua would be the guy, the answer to the Galaxy's problems. But you're right. I don't see them spending a designated player spot and DP money on a goalkeeper, even though it's a key position that that just seems to be. Uh, it's kind of against the philosophy of the league. You don't you see very few places. I know that uh, I believe Montreal tried it with a Brazilian goalkeeper a couple of years ago, and and Colorado with Tim Howard. But that was Tim Howard. That was more the person than the position. So I, I don't know that they would uh, you know spend a lot of money on it. But I, I do think that they will be creative, and I think they they may look beyond the U.S. borders. They may look down into South America. You know, the number of players that had come from South America into MLS last season, there were over 100 of them. Uh, there was the mo- the region best represented. It was, I think, more than Europe, Africa, and Asia combined with the number of foreign players that came in. So, And the Galaxy have been down there scouting. LAFC has been down there scouting. So that's the way it looks like to be the way of the present, not necessarily the future. And, uh, you know, I, there's a number of teams down there and a number of players and a number of countries with national teams, and they all have goalkeepers. So maybe that's where the LA uh, Galaxy go to, to solve this problem. Our final question comes in from Sean at Sean Bryan 89. Sean says, nobody likes to miss the playoffs, but in the long run, 
Will this benefit the Galaxy by forcing changes to be made on the field and organization and the organization instead of possibly just being satisfied with scraping by? I let me. I want to touch on this one first because uh, this is always a fun. It's like it's like what happened to the United States men's national team. Is this a good thing? Are we going to get changes now uh, with the U.S.? Maybe that was more important. I will say with the LA Galaxy, no, it wasn't good in the long term. Uh, good in the long term would have been that the LA Galaxy succeeded with playing younger players. That Cardinalfo was successful and was clearly the coach of the future, and that the LA Galaxy could have built off those young players and done all those things. Uh, structurally, there was a problem in just the terms of way the way this team was made up. So would you have liked it if Pete Vianis and Jovan Karofsky and all these guys got it right? Yes, you would have. that would have been the preferred method and that would have been fine because the Galaxy were already in a rebuilding mode. The fact that they have to rebuild twice for me is one of those things now that sits there as, okay, you wasted a year. Um, so the Galaxy were already rebuilding from 2016 to 2017. Now they'll do it again from 2017 to 2018. I mean, you know, is it going to be good if the LA Galaxy fail again and, you know, that doesn't happen? Because structural changes have not been made, in my opinion. You don't have a huge difference. You have Siggy Schmidt in charge of personnel. You have Kurt Schmidt uh, coming in to do a lot of the GM duties and also to do some of your scouting, a job that he's well with. That is a good thing. Um, overall, but it would have been best, in my opinion, if it all would have worked out, Kevin. And, and that that's sort of where I see the LA Galaxy have taken another step backwards uh, in terms of their performance in 2017, from 2016 to 2017. And will they do that again? Because there's certainly no guarantees that Siggy Schmidt is going to be any more successful than anybody else was uh, over the terms. So I, to me, no. The answer is no, it's not good that they missed the playoffs. No, it's not good that all this stuff happened right before LAFC came in. In fact, it could end up being one of the things that dooms the LA Galaxy to being the second team in Los Angeles for the remainder of the league's existence, in my opinion. Well, I don't know if it's going to go that long, but in the short term, um, here's what I think. Yes, it would have been much better that it worked out, but the fact that it didn't work out, if there's a, a, a silver lining, you know, under Bruce Arena, remember Bruce Arena came in when the team was almost as bad as this one, and Bruce Arena turned it around, and he did that because he's a he's a good coach and he's a good general manager, and can you tell? I'm a Bruce Arena fan. But he also had a huge swagger, um, uh, and you, you couldn't miss it, and the rest of the league hated it, and that's why the rest of the league hated the Galaxy, and that was one of the things that made the Galaxy so great is the rest of the league hated them, and and they circled the wagons, and, and they used that as fuel. Um, the front office, at least, uh, took that swagger into last season and they had this new uh this new plan and this new blueprint and it was going to work and they were the smartest people in the room anytime they stepped into the room and certain members of the front office uh had that swagger uh more than others and it was for a lot for most of them uh largely undeserved and largely unearned and so they they had the swagger they that's been taken away and we talk about them eating humble pie and they're not very good at that but it would seem to me that if these guys have any semblance of character and credibility, that they're going to have to soft pedal it at least through this season and just see. Golly gee, Willikers, that that worked out for us, and oh, we won that game. We got so lucky. You better hear a lot of that this year, as opposed to we knew we were going to do this. Okay, so you better hear a lot of that. And if you do, that's going to be good. The swagger was great, but that was Bruce Arena. Bruce Arena's not here anymore. Kurt Anafo cannot swagger that like that. Uh, you know, Chris Klein cannot swagger like that. And they tried to, and it just didn't work. Now, so that's a good thing. I think if they get a little bit humbler uh, and get a little bit more personable and don't believe their own hype and propaganda, I think that is going to help a lot. That's the good thing. The bad thing is 
I'm just not sure. I don't believe that Ziggy Schmidt is the coach and general man and his son as a combination or the coach and general manager that Bruce Arena was. Um, I think, you know, Ziggy had a much worse record than Kurt Anafo. So at some point, you put the best team together, it's going to have to come together on the field. Um, and that is that could be problematic because, I, I you know, I, I like Ziggy a lot and, and his track record speaks for himself. And it doesn't matter how much, uh, you know, I try to tarnish that. He's the winningest coach in MLS history and he's won, you know, MLS Cups. But has time passed him by? Is the team passed him by? Is the league passed him by? Or did he just have a terrible team that year, uh, last year? We'll see again. But, uh, you know, the way he took the team uh, down the stretch wasn't encouraging. I didn't see a lot to get real excited about. Yeah, it's, uh, again, more stuff to follow in the offseason. Uh, I like the difference of opinion on that, and we'll see uh, how it carries out into 2018. All right, Kevin, is there but anything else? You know, what? You, oh. you know I'm right. Oh, you yeah, know of course. Right. Of yeah, okay. Yeah, I, 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 okay. Knew, yeah. I knew you were right because I remember that Dom Dwyer thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you were you were all over that. So I know I know how these predictions go. And, oh, uh, and I opened my envelope with my preseason predictions, and I'm right on again. FC Dallas winning the MLS Cup. That's what I have. <laughs> hey, you I'm know, right a, a lot of people had them. A lot of listen. It's that's it's there is a possibility, and I don't like to blow this, you know, and make this more important than it is. But I was on, um, you know, uh, Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm um, on ESPN 710, and he said, you know, is... Name dropper. Name dropper, totally. I wanted to build that up as that was my first uh, radio appearance in Los Angeles. I'm going to tell everybody about that. Um, I, I think I've told my wife four times just today. Uh, but anyway, no, whenever I was on there, he said, you know, could my Galaxy come back and be MLS Cup contenders if they do the right things? And the answer is, because it's Major League Soccer, Kevin, the answer is yes, of course, you could be an MLS contender. You could win MLS Cup next year. The Galaxy could win MLS Cup next year. It just means that they're going to have to be absolutely perfect. They're going to have to get a little bit lucky. And the next thing you know, they could be in an MLS Cup. Would it be a surprise? Absolutely. Uh, if you're looking for a realistic idea for the LA Galaxy in 2018, it's that they make the playoffs. Uh, whether or not that's in the sixth position or the fifth position, um, there's some good teams in the Western in the Western Conference. So, I mean, yes, there's a possibility because in Major League Soccer, there's a lot more parity and you're able to build and reload and Bruce Arena did it over and over and over again. Um, and the fact that the LA Galaxy think that Bruce left the team in such shambles when he left is laughable because Bruce used to have every team be sort of in shambles and he would reload and look at what he was doing next year and Bruce said you'd build the team to win that year and that was it. If, if you know, if you're taking a longer view of it in Major League Soccer in a, t in a league that is based on parity, it's harder to do. It's hard to build um, any sort of uh, dynasties in Major League Soccer. And so, you know, looking at all that, could the Galaxy be really good next year? Yeah, they could be really good under Siggy Schmidt and Kurt Schmidt and these guys and Dominic Kinnear as the assistant coach. I mean, they have some names there that could produce something, Kevin. The, but, but the bottom line is, is it likely? It's more likely the LA Galaxy have a mediocre to bad year in 2018 than it is that they go on an MLS Cup run. So I, I think you have to look at what they're attempting to do if there's 15 new players, half the roster turns over, and what they're trying to do on the field and whether or not that translates in 2018, those are all ridiculously hard things to do. Winning championships are hard things to do. Making it to the playoffs, even though almost everybody makes it, is still a hard thing to do, especially whenever you have so many spaces to rebuild. And if the Galaxy miss on any of those, then they're not going to be su as successful as they possibly could be in 2018. And so that's sort of, you know, the eye, the 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 eyeglass that I'm looking through as I look at this offseason and what they need to do for 2018. They could be good, Kevin, but the chances are that they're going to be mediocre to bad 
better than that they're going to be, you know, a good competitive MLS team. Okay, question for you. I think that just with the, the players that we think are coming back, um, and then with Z- Ziggy Schmidt, as I said, he may not be he may not be a world beater coach, but um, he's certainly a, a, still a very very good coach. So I agree with you. I think the playoffs would be about the best the Galaxy can hope for, and I would consider that probably be a successful season. But how about this? If the Galaxy make the playoffs, finish fifth or sixth, but they make the playoffs, but they finish behind LAFC in the conference standings, is that a, a successful season or not? You know, it's sort of any of those, anytime you have a college, if you went to a college and you had a rival, it's one of those things that's like, one, how was my season? And two, did you beat your rival, right? Because you could have the best season, you know, Arizona State, which is my alma mater, could have a great season, but if they lost to U of A, then there's something in there that makes me feel bad about it. But if they have a really horrible season, but at least they beat U of A, there's something to that. That is, that is a, you know, a sort of a new measure the LA Galaxy are going to have to deal with, which is, did you beat LAFC? Those are going to be the biggest questions. And, you know, again, if LAFC finishes above the LA Galaxy, trouble time. Trouble, trouble, trouble time, Kevin. They Again, LAFC is MLS 3.0 or 3.5. I mean, you know, the newest addition to the league. Going to have a gorgeous stadium. They have a bunch of money behind it. They're going to be flashy. They're in downtown. There are so many things that they have going for them that if they can pull an on-field product together, it will be very difficult for the Galaxy to match them or best them. And the way to do that is by beating them and beating them soundly and beating them every time they play them. And if that isn't the goal, one of the first goals that Siggy Schmidt has in 2018 is to beat LAFC see all three times that they play them. Um, doesn't matter where it is. And then the other goal will be, of course, to uh, make sure you beat San Jose all three times that you play them. And then the other goal is to make sure you beat the Sounders all three times as you play them. And then it's to make the playoffs. I mean, there's always these steps and these things. And it's to win MLS Cup. And all those things are important, but all those things can sort of grade and make you feel differently about how the season goes. If you win an MLS Cup, it's the only time you get to say it doesn't matter what the record was. It doesn't matter how you got there. Nothing. It doesn't matter if you lost to LAFC all three times. If you win an MLS Cup, it doesn't matter. That's the only time but, it doesn't matter. But you just said that if they, they got to beat LAFC and San Jose and Seattle all three times. It's nine wins. It's one more win than they had all of last season. And you're you're having them get those nine wins against just three teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it, again, I think it's an unreasonable way to look at how you play. I mean, clearly you want to win the series. So if you play those guys three times, and you don't play every team three times, but if you play those those teams three times, you need to win the series. And, you know, there's different degrees of how you view success. But at the same time, there's there's very little leeway in terms of, hey, you made the playoffs, but, oh, LAFC finished above you. Or, hey, you made the playoffs, but LAFC swept you in the series. Um, Those things all matter in terms of how fans are going to look at it and how outsiders are going to look at it and how the success is deemed within the city of Los Angeles. The, The results against LAFC really matter. And quite honestly, Kevin... The Galaxy should beat LAFC because as an expansion team, they should struggle, except that we've seen expansion teams like Atlanta come in or even like Seattle whenever they came in, uh, you know, have early success. So you have to guard against that if you're the LA Galaxy, especially after the season that you just had. And, and LAFC is claiming the city, as we know, their their whole advertising campaign is this is our city. Um, that's just basically, you know, calling the Galaxy a suburban city and kind of pushing them uh, aside and and the galaxy can't allow that to happen either. So you know already the rivalry is building and uh, worst case scenario for the galaxy would be making the playoffs barely or, or missing it and then seeing LAFC go on a long postseason run maybe all the way to the cup. Ah, uh, um, sports. 
Sports is fun, Kevin. That's what. That's why we do this, right? All all hope springs eternal right now. LA, LA. I, I do this. I do this for the big paycheck. I don't know about you. <laughs> you mean this podcast you do for the big paycheck? A- absolutely. Okay, just want to double check. All right, you got anything? None of none of your checks have bounced, by the way. That's right. Not 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 a single one has bounced. That's how it works. Um, because you'd have to send them in order for that to happen. Uh, all right. Anything else you got? Or are we good? No, we've been on a long time. We have been. We we found some things to talk about. What do you know? All right. If you it, Italy not going to the World Cup, US not going to the World Cup, Iceland is going. So what do you know about that? It, it's it's sports. Sports are fun. All right. Remember, soccer's fun. That's why we do this. Soccer is fun. Drag racing too. Drag and drag racing. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Please head on over to latimes.com, read all of his articles about drag racing or any other sport they throw him at whenever he's not covering the U.S. men's national team, uh, U.S. soccer in general, or the L.A. Galaxy or L.A. FC. So please head on over to L.A. Day Times and uh, and read his articles. If you're looking for me on Twitter, at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, we have one more show coming up before we hit our Thanksgiving break, so we'll have a Thursday show where we're scheduled to have 442's uh, Paul Tenorio on, and we'll get to discuss some things with him, so that should be fun. Uh, maybe also have another guest in there as well, if we can find somebody who is still here around to talk to us. All right. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. We'll talk to you very, very soon. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.